It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the Giants huddle Podcast. John Schmuck and Lance Meadow with you. Today's guest, former Giants quarterback David Carr, now with the NFL Network. Before we get to David... Everybody, here's a reminder. You can find the Giants Huddle Podcast at a couple different places on the Giants mobile app, on Giants.com slash podcast. But the best place to get us is on all your favorite podcast platforms. Find the subscribe, add us to your favorites. And if you like what you hear, please leave a five-star positive review. Now let's bring in our guest. He is David Carr. You remember him as a former backup quarterback for your New York football Giants. Now you can find him on Twitter at DCarr8. You can also find him on NFL Network. Inside training camp live coverage airs throughout the week on NFL Network starting each day at 1 p.m. Eastern. I saw David on that show, I believe, on Monday, if I'm not mistaken, David. First and foremost, thank you for being with us, and I hope you and the family, everybody in your world, is safe and healthy in what's been a very difficult year. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's been uh, it's been different for everybody, actually, <laughs> as you guys well know. So off-season's been different. We're just all trying to figure it out together, so... See what happens. Yeah, it's absolutely all you can do. Uh, we had you on today, Davis. I thought you'd be a perfect guy to talk about Daniel Jones, too, and kind of what a unique situation he's heading into his second year in uh, with a virtual offseason, new coach, new system. You know what it's like to play in New York. So I want to start here first to set a baseline. What was your evaluation of Daniel's 2019 season as a rookie? I really liked what I saw from Daniel. I mean, going all the way back to his, his days in college, and then covering him for, you know, his time as he was preparing for the draft, watched his pro day. I thought he had the best pro day that I'd seen in the last two decades from a quarterback as far as where the ball placement was and how he threw it and where he threw it. It was, uh, it was incredibly impressive uh, to me. So I was not surprised when the Giants took him as high as they did uh, a few years back. I think the, uh, the really cool part, as I – as you look at young guys having been in that situation before, I know how difficult it is to jump in there and just fully trust, you know, the offensive line and the things that are happening around you and really dial into what your read is and where to go with the football. And I thought Daniel, since he's been in there, has done an incredible job. Now the offensive line hasn't always been consistent, as you guys well know. So it's been up and down for him. And he's made some maybe turnover-worthy plays or he's had some times where, you know, maybe he's – you know, he's not as clean as you'd like him to be, but I, I think the biggest thing for Daniel that I see, um, having played that position, is he's fearless. And Eli Manning had that same pocket mentality where he would just almost to, almost to a fault, he would keep his eyes down the field, trying to let his routes develop and give those guys a chance. He throws with great anticipation. He really knows where he's looking at when he's dissecting coverage. Um, so when you really study Daniel's tape, the things around him aren't always clean. But if you guys can put together a solid offensive line unit that was that honestly that was with uh, that was with you know me and Eli back in the day, I mean if you guys can find some consistency there, he's going to be an incredible player because he just has everything that you ask for as far as toughness, competitiveness, understanding what he's seeing. He's rarely fooled in coverage. Um, I think he's I think he's a great young player. He just needs a little bit cleaner pocket and and honestly maybe even mix in a little bit with his legs. I mean Jason Garrett's got. He's, you know, he's got the, he's got a good young player. He's got a good backs. I mean, they can be really creative and kind of bring some of the, you know, to do a lot of it. But I think that if you have a guy that can run like Daniel, I think you'd be remiss not to involve his legs somehow in the run game. 
David, you brought up the term consistency, and I think that's key in terms of looking ahead to 2020 because when you had your second stint with the Giants, it was you, it was Eli, and then you still had Kevin Gilbride carrying over from your first stint, Tom Coughlin. So, you know, during the 2011 lockout shortened season, I would think that would be extremely beneficial. You were entering a system you were familiar with, individuals you were familiar with. You look at Daniel Jones now, as you mentioned, Jason Garrett, brand new system, brand new language, some new players around yeah. him. And there's also his third new offense, David, in the span of three years, which I'm sure is challenging for any young quarterback on any level of football. How much is that going to be to overcome with this current structure of an offseason? Well, it's not, it's, it's not to the point where he's not going to be able to do it. I think that it's just a, a familiarity that you have. Like, think about Brady and when he was in New England. He was there for two decades, basically running the same offense. He didn't have to worry about his audibles changing. He didn't have to worry about because that's a, a real thing. When you get up to the line of scrimmage and you've done something for so long, and I know Daniel hasn't. He's gone through a lot of change early. But when you've, you've gotten used to an offense, you can, you can roll back in the Rolodex and just pull a play up or pull a, a call up, or maybe you can reference something in a split second where if you are, are brand new to that offense, it just takes you a little bit of time. It takes you an extra tick, and you're not as comfortable doing it. So it's almost like we don't really have a choice. You're kind of stuck in that position where in this next you know, month or so, you've got to try and cram as much of that as you can and make, make practice really high-intense-type uh, high learning and, and make it a, a mental you know, gymnastics for him where he really has to push himself from understanding the offense. I would, I would rarely go out there if I was the Giants, especially with any offense, uh, any young quarterback, and just make it to where they know the calls, they know the coverage is coming at them. You really got to push the envelope, especially this year, just because you haven't had that OTAs, mini camps, where they can really kind of get to know and, and really take ownership of that offense. I mean, Jason Garrett is going to do a good job. He'll put together a good offense, and he's got a lot of pieces to, to work with. Um, but you got you to become comfortable from a quarterback standpoint, and that only comes with time. David, how do you think practice will be different? Because there's going to be so few of them, maybe up to 20. The max is 14 padded yeah. practices uh, before you get yeah. to the first game. Now, there's no preseason games, so you're not probably going to do any of those carded practices where you're getting ready for opponents and stuff like that, which makes it a little bit easier. But how do you yeah. think they can alter practice here to make up for the fact that this is now going to be the first time they're doing an on-field installation instead of like the third time in a regular season yeah. to get Jones and everybody on the same page? Well, like you said, I mean, when, when you're installing stuff in training camps, you've already done it like twice before that, usually. And that gives you a real comfort level as a quarterback. So you're not really doing that. Now, you probably have virtually, but it's different, though. When I'm sitting in my office and I'm kind of on the, on the iPad or whatever it is, and I'm, I'm trying to work through an offensive meeting with the coaching staff, I mean, that's, that's almost that's easy. You know, honestly, any, any quarterback worth anything is going to be able to do that and excel there and feel comfortable. But it's a totally different thing when you get out there and you got to look these guys in the eyes and you're in the huddle with them and you got to go up there and run a play and then split second, got to audible something and get, get into that flow. So I think practice wise, uh, kind of like I mentioned a little bit earlier, it has to be super intense. It has to be at least, at least try to not, not where it's live in the quarterback where you're hitting guys and you're taking guys to the ground. You don't need to do that, but you can make it super competitive. And I would definitely do that ones on ones. I would do that three or four times where it's a legit work and guys feel like they've gone through almost a, uh, a quarter or a half of a football game. So and then you give them time to rest and recover. And you can, if coaches are smart, they'll be able to 
they'll be able to figure that out. And they'll you have a good pulse of the team and see how they are physically and see how guys are advancing and progressing. Um, but that's what I would I would almost guarantee that coaches are going to do is just try and simulate some of those preseason games while still keeping everybody healthy. Well, speaking of that subject, David, I'm curious from your experience having a preseason game, whether or not that was beneficial to get a feel for what your offensive coordinator was going to do in terms of play calling, the tone, and the ability to then pass that on to your teammates. So the fact that Daniel Jones is not going to have that asset to work with Jason Garrett, whether he's going to be up in the box or on the sideline, the little nuances like that, how much of a difference do you think that could have in the early stages of the season, given maybe the first few weeks of the year become sort of the third or fourth preseason game when they would have had the opportunity to go through things like that? Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be different. Um, the nuances are what what you're talking about, and that's the most important thing because, in reality, preseason games there's you really have to struggle mentally uh, to lock into those games because everybody knows that it's not worth anything, and all those starters know, and the veteran guys know that this is not the end game. This is just guys trying to get some looks, and maybe some young guys make some make a team, or they, you know they show flashes and then they end up, you know, developing during the season, but that's, that's hard to lock in. So you don't have to worry about that. Now the next game you play is going to be for real. It's going to be full on. Let's go. So you almost, you almost are really focusing on those nuances and, and hopefully it's even, even more so because I think a lot of times when you jump into that first game or first two games, there are some like, there, there's, there's an intensity that you're not used to in the preseason, that you're not used to in practice, and you try to simulate it. But I think that just because of the fact that there are no preseason games, the coaches are going to be kind of really focused on the fact that we need to make sure that we hit the ground running. There's going to be a big focus on making sure that, you know, we have a contingency plan for, you know, if a guy isn't going to be there and everybody's getting their reps. So I think just because there's no preseason games, guys are going to be really locked in. And like, you know, Bilicek said the other day, he's like, you know, college teams do this every every year. We interviewed him for the NFL Network the other day, and, and we're like, what are you going to do about preseason games? And he said, college teams do it every year. So we just have yeah. to be ready to play our first game. So I think that if everyone's dealing with it, it's going to be fine. And and they're and these are these are professional athletes; they'll figure it out. But yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a little bit of a hurdle. It's just a young 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 coach, uh, young quarterback with a with a with a veteran offensive coordinator and how they mesh. You know, because that's that's a huge relationship. And if, if they can kind of work through some things to. Um, maybe speed that process up, that'd be good for everybody. You know, Dave, I want to go back to your evaluation of Daniel's rookie year, which, by the way, I thought was right on the money and, you know, kind of how he could improve as a quarterback on the field just from, mm-hmm. a, you know, playing the position perspective. And I think yeah. you hit it, right? Like, I don't want to say he's oblivious to the rush, yeah. but but he just doesn't care about it. So guys are in his yeah. face. He's making great throws, but sometimes he holds it a little bit too long. He might get hit. He might yeah. get stripped, cause a turnover. And a lot of that's instinctual. It's processing time. It's stuff that can only get better through experience. So as someone that lived it, yeah. you know, how big of a jump can he take in the processing, in pocket presence, feeling the pressure, knowing when he has to slide, when he can stick, when he has to move? How can a quarterback improve at those things heading into his second year? Well, honestly, he has he's in the best position because he he is to the side of not being aware of it. Where <laughs> that's kind of where you want him, you know, because you can always bring him back. Where hey man, okay, we we don't we got a certain amount of time. Let's find our check down a little bit faster here, and that's fine. You don't want a guy that gets rid of it too fast or, you know, he'll take sack or, or he's just unsure of where to go. So that's, I mean, that's stuff that I struggled with early on because we never really got over that hump where we could get a consistent offensive line out there. So it was funny because I would get, 
a one set of information from my offensive coordinator, like, okay, let's hold the ball a little bit, let's let this route develop. And then I'd be walking down the hallway, the offensive line coach would grab me and say, hey, we got to get the ball out of our hands. Oh, and no. I'm like, oh, I'm like, what's happening here? I'm 21 years old trying to figure out if the quarterback is going to fail. You guys are giving me mixed messages, man. So I think that what Daniel has going on, I don't think that I'd change. I, I think that I would try to speed up his processing time. And I think that, honestly, is just going to come with playing. And the more he plays, he's going to understand there's a clock in your head. Okay, I don't have this much time to hang on to this football and wait for these guys. Let's just dump it down to the back. Let's take, you know, let's go get second and seven and, and take three yards on a check down and see if we can make something happen. So I think that's just a matter of playing and, and going through it. But but I really like where Daniel's at. It's almost like when Patrick Mahomes came out, they're completely different players. And Patrick kind of lives more on just making big plays and big throws. But it's kind of that vein, too, because he has such a big arm, you don't have to teach that. There's not a throw he can't make, so that's the that's the good side of it. And Daniel's in the good side of really standing in there and being tough and just keeping his eyes down the field. So you can rein Patrick back in and kind of get him to kind of get through his reads better, get through his progression. Same thing with Daniel. You can you can talk him down into getting the ball out of his hand faster, find a completion. Let's stay in a positive down and distance. So that stuff is really kind of easy, and it just takes a little a little processing time and a little a little time in the saddle. As you alluded to, David, his numbers across the board extremely impressive, but I think if there's anything that the Giants want to see drastically improve, of course, it's seeing the turnovers get cut down because he did have 23 of yeah. them and he lost 11 fumbles. Now, you talked about your experience early in your career with the offensive line and not to pour salt in your wounds, but you know you had seasons, just yeah. so our audience understands, where you were sacked 76 times, you were sacked 68 times, so ball security was obviously a big priority that you had to deal with and you had to make sure that, you know, you wouldn't come back and cost your team. What were some of the things, yeah. David, that aside from the mental side that you had to work on to emphasize ball security, that is something that maybe could apply to Daniel as he looks to improve in that category in year two? Well, it's moving with a purpose. Um, I mean, I, I, th I think I still have the NFL record for most recovered fumbles. Uh, so, and they were mostly mine. <laughs> so I think I jumped on like 20 of them one year. Oh, but man. Yeah, those, oh, guys are, those guys are hawking at it. And, you know, if you hold the ball a little bit too long, they're going to come in, they're going to swipe at it. And you, you just have to get a feel for that. I was talking to Derek the other day about it, honestly, and he's like, you know, my first year I thought I could step up in the pocket with kind of one hand on it and not really worry about it. He's like, now you literally, he's in there doing bicep curls and he's doing different exercises because Vaughn Miller and those guys are literally trying to rip the ball mm -hmm. out of your hands and the smart defender is doing the same thing. And especially if you show that you're a guy that will put it on the ground, that's when their antennas go up. So then it just kind of amplifies it more. So you never want to kind of be that. So I think early on, if I was coaching Daniel, there would be a big emphasis on when we move and we're doing any kind of, it seems like a, just a simple nothing drill. But when you're going through the individual with your quarterbacks and you're having them swipe the ball and rip it out, just make a conscious effort. Overcoach that so he's keeping two hands on it. He's sliding and moving with a purpose. And even if you miss one or two big plays down the field, you know, at least you're going to be safe and you're going to make sure that you're hanging on to that football and you can, you can play the next down and you can at least, hey, it's okay to punt too every once in a while. You don't have to necessarily make the big play. So that's just, again, that's just a little processing thing that he's going to have to work through. But I think that if you emphasize it from a coaching perspective, you get what you emphasize, and that's what I've always found. And so if coach comes in and he's really focused on, hey, we're not going to turn the football over, we're going to keep it, and uh, yeah, you'll get that because these guys will, will focus on what you what you emphasize. So I think you'll do a better job this year. David, final one for me, and I'll just take it from a general Giants perspective on this one. 
What are your expectations for the team this year? You know, it, it's a big change, young team, new coaching staff, new scheme on both sides of the ball, no offseason. Go down yeah. the list. The circumstances are not great, but this is year three for Dave Gettleman, year one for Joe Judge. What do you think Giant fans should be thinking about this year in terms of how their team can kind of take that next step and at least maybe be in the playoff mix and, you know, be mathematically in it around Thanksgiving? Yeah, I think that when you look at it from a honestly, what what is most concerning for me on both sides of the ball. So I think offensive line continuity there, and just making sure you guys find you know some guys that can at least work together throughout the entire season. Maybe they're young guys, but I think Jason Garrett will do a good job of you know designing up stuff where you can kind of protect those guys a little bit. But I think those young the young players in the offensive line really got to step up and gel and kind of just be a group that's going to have Daniels back and give Saquon some running lanes and because you have some talented guys in the skill positions. Yeah, you got a good matchup tight end. I mean, obviously the back, I mean, he can, he can touch the ball 40 times a game and that wouldn't be enough. So I like, I like what the pieces that they have there, the offense lines can come along. And the secondary is probably the other question that I have is just, you know, you, you got to find a way to maybe, maybe you're not going to be a top 10 defense, you know, but that's okay. You can be an opportunistic defense. We've had those in New York before and won Super Bowls there. So you can find a way to just get the ball, take it back from the opponent, play good red zone defense, you know, and Daniel takes another step. Then you got a team that, okay, these guys are scoring some points now. The offensive line has come along. Now the secondary, if they can step up and have some of those young guys make some plays and, and just rip the ball out, like just be ball hawks, be, be almost those young guys that just don't know any better. And I think that, I think you got a chance. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that they're going to go out and win 14 games, but I think that a lot of teams are in the same boat that the Giants are in right now. You just, you have a couple holes that you need to make sure you fill and some guys got to step up. And if you can do that, then there's no reason that especially in New York, that they, they can't be competing for a playoff spot every year. So especially with that quarterback, I, I really like that. And with Saquon, I mean, just give him, some, just give him to the line of scrimmage without getting touched, and we should be okay. So I'm excited to watch him play. David, before we let you go, speaking of the quarterback position, I think this is something that not just the Giants can relate to, everybody can relate to, is the fear of perhaps losing your starting quarterback because of a COVID-19 positive test maybe the Friday before a Sunday game. And Bruce Arians, Bucks head coach, has thrown out the idea of quarantining a quarterback. Now, you've been a starter, you've been a backup. And the reason I bring that up is you're used to going into a game where you get probably more mental reps, David, than you do physical reps because of the logistics of practice. Practice. If a team wanted to quarantine a quarterback, such as a veteran backup or somebody that is young and youthful, how realistic is that? And how realistic is it to expect a quarterback to be thrown into something if most of their interaction with the team, David, has been through simply virtual means for the last few weeks? I think it's almost impossible. Um, I, I think the idea, I, I understand the idea, and it makes sense if you're playing Madden. You know, <laughs> I'm going to go hide a guy on the practice squad. And if he needs to play, we'll throw him in there. But, man, that's, that'd be so difficult. I mean, football, quarterback's already hard enough to come in and play and get a feel for guys when you're getting limited reps with them and individual. Um, but, man, I, don't, I just don't know if that'd, be, if that'd be feasible. Because even, like you said, even when I was backing up Eli, I didn't get a ton of reps during the season. I'm running mostly scout team stuff. But I'll throw some individual with some of the main guys just to – and we would do it just because if I had to play, I had to at least have thrown these guys a pass in the last couple months. So I'd get a handful of snaps with those guys, you know, during the week. But to not get any of them and just be completely separate from the team and rolling, it, you'd be better off calling me, honestly. Let's just be, let's just be real. <laughs> if you guys are going to do that, all quarantine in Bakersfield, out here in California, 
if something happens to Daniel, you just give me a buzz. I'll get on the plane. You know, Dave, there, Dave, so. Dave, we might because, fr- quite frankly, you you were on what I thought was the best Giants team I've been around in 2008. You guys were unbelievable, yeah. and you were on the, the last Giants team to win a playoff game in 2011. So maybe know, that's man. not a bad idea. Yeah, Good luck you. charm. Yeah, you just let me know. Yeah, you guys just hit me up if that happens, and I'll make a fight. I'll be fine. I will send Dave Gettleman an email right now, David. I got you covered. Thanks, man. <laughs> Sounds good. David, good stuff. Right, I really appreciate the time, man. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you down the line, all right? Thanks a lot, David. Thanks, fellas. All right. Okay. That's yeah. David Carr. Does a great job. You can find him on Twitter at dcar 8 That's with two R's. You also find him on NFL Network as one of their great analysts, and he will be featured on many shows, including Inside Training Camp Live, and coverage for that show airs throughout the week on NFL Network starting each day at 1 p.m. Great stuff out of David. Always a pleasure to be around him here at the Giants. Good to hear his voice. And now does a great job on the NFL Network. Thank you for being with us. You can find the archive of the Giants Huddle Podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms on the Giants mobile app and at Giants.com slash podcast where you can find all our podcast offerings like the Giants Huddle, Giants Rewind with Carl Banks, and Big Blue Kickoff Live, our daily call-in show. Thanks for being with us. For David Carr, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you next time, everybody. Stay safe.